You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You know, occasionally we see some uh, cool things on the Internet. We like to highlight some of those things in a bit we call the Internet is Undefeated. This was from a... An Omaha NDOT traffic camera. So you got the ca- traffic cameras all around the state to monitor the road conditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was last night near the uh, I-80 Millard exit. And there, ah! there's an owl. Call, call. That's not an owl noise. Oh, it's not? There, oh, there's an owl perfectly perched. You got a little pigeon there. I mean, I mean, it's it's like he's posing for the picture, and it's it really is it's really nice clear. And clear. Yeah, very yeah. clear. It's uh, unlike your camera, John. Whereas yours yeah. is very fuzzy. That's a good. We need to get that camera in the studio. I think that's a photogenic ass owl. It really looking. That good, was just man. after midnight this morning. Was when that wow, was taken. Famously, when owls are out and about. Yes, they are. Uh-huh. Yeah, owls are definitely night creatures. I miss creatures of the night. Once in a great while, and I haven't heard one for a while. But once in a great while, you get into the early part, late part of the spring. Haven't heard an owl for a while. And wow. and they'll be perched on top of the light pole outside the house. I've never seen an owl. I'm. I've really have now. He's right there. I mean, I've place. heard owls, but I've oh. never seen an owl with my own eyes. I've seen bats. I don't like bats. Yeah, they're good at uh, they're good at you know kind of hiding out, even though they're not really hiding. They're just chilling, blending in. Just chilling. But I like that. You know, you wake up in the morning and you hear that. You hear just that. Ooh, ooh. Can't do it. My voice isn't very good today. Jordan in the chat says Union Omaha really stepping up their marketing game. Hey, great game, hey, great work for our friends at Union that's Omaha. Not that's far some away. Stuff. That's not yeah. far away from their not stadium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Soon Nick, get an owl noise stadium. off of the internet. I want to hear what the owl sounds like. Okay. Search it in Google. But, uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool picture they took last night. Mm-hmm. I Good like job. that. Good job. Uh, let's see. Do we have Joe on the line? Is Joe there? Hey, Joe. Yes, Joe, what's on your mind? Thanks for waiting. You're in the zone. Oh, no problem. I'm a little sick, so I apologize for the voice. Um, Ditto. I, well, I was curious to know... Your thoughts on, I know obviously mock drafts don't mean a whole lot, but just in terms of senior day for Creighton being on, on Saturday, uh, Jonathan Giveney of ESPN has this year, he does not have Trey Alexander or Ryan Kalkbrenner in his 24 mock, and then next year he only has Trey in his mock draft for 25. So that would, in his opinion, that would mean Brian Kalkbrenner would go undrafted but would also potentially come back, and then Trey would obviously come back next year and then get drafted uh, in the second round according to his mock. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on the prospect of that and, and what kind of likelihood uh, that is for that to be accurate, if at all. Thanks for the call, Joe. Thank uh, you, Joe. I think, you know, it, it, it's certainly a possibility. The, the catch with a lot of mock drafts, is I mean it's it's just that there's it, it, a lot of guesswork uh, and some of it's educated guesswork, but especially with the NBA with 
all the international players. You've got the you know the the younger players. You know, like for example, um, he's got um, uh, Donovan Klingen in the draft, and of course Klingen he's a he's only a sophomore. Uh, so you're kind of guessworking a little bit on exactly who's coming out, who's not. But then there's also you know just how they do in the in the combines, and both uh, Kalkbrenner and Alexander were in the combines last year, uh, and that can certainly change a lot. There's a. I would say this. I would say that there is a possibility that one of those two players is back next year. I wouldn't go of which players of of Kalkbrenner and um, Alexander. Alexander. I would say there is a chance to get one of them back. I wouldn't go as far as saying two right now. Yeah. And because remember, the other thing, too, even if you don't get drafted, and remember, in the NBA, guaranteed contracts only come after the first round. You get drafted in the second round, I mean, it's it's kind of a crapshoot. But then there's also international basketball, which a lot of players have made some great money over the years mm-hmm. playing overseas. So it's really, and, and, and obviously NIL has changed the picture. You know, if you got a great NIL deal, you might as well maybe stick it out one more year. So there's a lot of different variables that used to not be there. Mm-hmm. But... I would say that you know there's an op, there's a chance there's a chance that one of those guys could be back next year. Yeah, Chattel mentioned uh, he mentioned Kulk Brenner and Ashworth today as uh, he said there's building optimism around Creighton that those two may utilize their extra season and come back next year. Yeah, and and, and for the record, um, Alexander would be a fourth year senior. Mm-hmm. Next year, because he's a junior. So he would this be year. that would be a traditional, like a normal. He would be a he traditional. Would, that would be a guy just returning instead of going pro. Exactly. Whereas that, the other two, the other two would be COVID. using their COVID year. Yeah, and it's so. interesting because tonight it's senior night at DJ Sokol Arena, and we're all kind of wondering what's going to happen with this roster going into next year as well, because it's a very senior laden group. You know, it's a, it's a group full of experience that has, you know, made some nice runs, including the Elite Eight run a couple of years ago, a team that, that beat Caitlin Clark along the way in Iowa. Um, what's going to happen with their eligibility? Because it's a very it's a very veteran group, and in theory it could be a veteran group once again. But, you know, players could also decide to, to retire, move on, uh, or transfer elsewhere. Or transfer, and so, yep, and, and that's so a possibility st- too. Man, we are still – there is still two more years after this. There are still two more years of COVID eligibility – um, is there? Apt. I thought this was the more. last one. I feel I'm like it's been only two more years for the last three years. So let just do the math real quick on the air to confirm that I'm right. So 2020, uh, the 2020-2021 seasons, didn't mean for the thumbs up to go on YouTube, that year doesn't count. So then they're a true freshman again in 2021. Let's say they redshirt that year. That means they're a redshirt freshman in 2022. They're a redshirt sophomore in 2023. They're a redshirt junior in 24-25. And they're a redshirt senior in 25-26. Good grief. So, yeah. So there are still two years. Again, there are a potential two years left um, on the end of this. And I know it's funny. This call wasn't meant to turn into a COVID eligibility discussion. No. John, one of the things that I've been kind of ruminating about or marinating on recently is what is going to happen with all of these programs, football, basketball, whatever we want to talk about, that have really built through the portal in an era of being able to plug and play and not just plug and play with you know some experience but with a lot of experience because you have been able to stay in college for so long. Uh-huh. Like in three se- in three seasons, when we're finally past all this, 
uh, it's going to be a different time. And so programs who have adapted and lived in this world and been successful, they're going to have to adapt and change their mindset once more because they're not going to have those advantages anymore. And so there's a part of me, all that to be said, John, that wonders if this era and some of the, the discussions we've had and some of the consternation, is it going to change where, like, it's just not going to be as stressful maybe with some of the movement because of the, the lack of COVID eligibility or, you know, am I pie in the sky? I have no I, I idea. Don't, I don't either. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just looking here because on uh, John Giovanni's um, mock draft, it also shows how old ever, all the players are. Yeah. And granted, most of them, like you know. Age or? Age. Like their age. age. Yeah, their age. Um, and you look at some, first of all, for most of the first 12 picks are all under the age of 20. Uh, Zach Eady at Purdue is 21.6 years old. Uh, but Kevin McCullough at Kansas, he's he'll be 23 by the time the draft starts. Dalton Connect at Tennessee will be 23 by the time the draft starts. Man, that is old. Dude, that is old for the NBA. Uh, Tyler Kolek at Marquette will be, I believe, 23 uh, by the time the... Uh, because I'm trying to do the math, because it, it lists all the ages in 20.8, 21.6. Oh, ha. So I'm kind of projecting ahead. So, yeah, they should be 23. Terrence Shannon at Illinois will be more, he'll, he'll be about, he'll be 23 years and about seven or eight months old. Dude. He's projected in the second round. Baylor Shireman, who is projected, he is currently at 23.3, so he'll be 23 and a half years old. And think about it, John, like compared to... By the time to, so the like draft Vi- happens. Victor Wembanyama, he just turned 20 in January. Yeah. Chet Holmgren, who is playing his first full year because he got hurt, he'll turn 22 in May. So think about that. You got guys that by the time that they are these ages that you just read, 23 or almost 24, Victor will be by like year five by then. Yeah. Chet Holmgren will be in year four by then. And so that's, you know, age is always such an interesting discussion in terms of draft. You like remember when Chris Winkie came out of Florida State mm-hmm. and he went to the Panthers and it was like, you know, on one hand he's older so he should be more mature and have more experience. On the other, even if he was good, his clock was starting way past its, you know, past the date of a lot of the other guys. It's the same thing with basketball. Yep. At that age you want to be deciding on second contracts and instead you're drafting these guys and they're going to end up being rookies. So, interesting. Giovanni also has Hunter Salas in the second round of his draft. Mm. Uh, of course, Hunter from Omaha, now at Wake Fresh Forest. Fresh off of a nice night. He will be 21 years old by the time the draft starts. Okay, see, that's more of a normal That's more normal traditional. Age. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Here is Josh on the 42 Degrees the Source hotline. Good afternoon, Josh. Hey, good afternoon, guys. John, hey. I just had a quick question for you. Um, being close to the Creighton program, baseball program, you don't ever get a lot of news or information on the internet about how players are going into minor leagues. Have you heard any news, any optimistic news about Alan Roden? Um, I, don't, I, did, I, I know he did pretty well last year, bat three seventeen. Uh, but with that, I'll, I'll hang up and let you answer. Yeah, uh, Alan Roden is in the um, the Blue Jays system. Uh, of course, he left two years ago. Uh, he was drafted third round in twenty twenty two. And and last year he finished up at um, well he spent a little bit of time in Double A and then ended up in Vancouver at the uh, A plus ball and and had a pretty good season. I have not seen any news yet on where he's going to be. There was a story in Jay's Journal, Toronto Blue Jays Journal, 
Uh, oh, I was like, I've never heard of this publication. From last September. And uh, it, it labels him as the next big Blue Jays prospect. And again, we're talking the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Blue Space Jays. So we'll see. I have not seen anything else. I've not heard anything at this point, you know, where his is. I did see that Ryan Fitzgerald, former Blue Jay, um, uh, participated yesterday in uh, spring training for the uh, Kansas City Royals. So that was pretty cool. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I hope to hear something here pretty soon about all of the uh, potential pros that are out there. And on that note, a reminder that Josh's wooden bats and rubber hats segment on college baseball is coming up in just a little bit. I, I figure while we're on the subject, I'll just go ahead and get this out here right now. But So Creighton Baseball has started 5-0. and They've scored 71 runs in five games. If you do the math, that's better than 12 runs a game. Okay. If my math is correct, right? Yeah. Because 12 times 5 is 70. 12 times 5 is 60. Oh, 60. Never mind. Almost averaging 13 runs. 13 runs a game. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 13 runs a game. But this is the first ever 5 0 start under Ed Service. But if you look at the the runs, only, only twice. In the first five games under Ed Service, have the Jays scored more than 50 runs in a stretch? And that was 2019, which was the team that went to the regionals and almost beat Michigan and went to the Supers. And then 2010, they scored 56 runs in their first five games. This team has scored 71 runs in the first five games. How about this? If you add any two years together, like consecutive years, like 04 and 05 or 08 and 09, only a few times... In this whole stretch, did they score more runs across two years than they have so far in the first five games? Like 23 and, and 22 combined, they scored 56 runs. So obviously worse than the 71. That is incredible. Yeah. So different than the – I mean, like you see some teams in here that even with good records, like 11, they were 4-1, and one, but they only scored 20 runs over the course of that stretch. Oh, or uh, 2015, 4-1, they only scored 26 runs throughout that stretch. That's wild. Now, granted, yes, the competition hasn't been great, but you still got to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing about baseball is you still have to hit the ball, and this team has just been raking at an incredible rate, and they've had two comeback wins all already this year. But uh, 71 runs in five games. Mm. I guess the days of bunting are gone. Yeah, sorry about that, Sindelar. On that note, uh, gonna miss it. I'll be talking with uh, Creighton third baseman Ben North on our 1620 The Jays podcast later this week. And which... that, John, is why bunting is beautiful. Hmm. May not hear that much this year. All right, No, I don't think you will. But Ben North will be uh, my guest on the pod, which will uh, debut on Friday. You can uh, download the pod at the 1620 The Zone website or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. I think you and Sindelar should start a baseball podcast called Wooden Bats and Rubber Hats and see, oh, see how that works. Well, that's your segment. I don't want to it steal is. that from you. It's such a good baseball podcast. I, I don't want to steal that from you. Sean texts in the Ask John About Random Blue Jays segment. Yeah, it really has turned into that. Nick, do you have any questions for John about the Blue Jays? Uh, yeah, where do they migrate in the winter? <laughs> good Lord. They, they, they're... they're Kind of concentrated in the Midwest and upper Northeast. Okay, what should what should I feed them? What's uh, safe for them? Chicken parm. Oh, nice. Okay. They're big fans of calamari, too. I can do that. Big fans of calamari. Oh. The court-storming debate 
still rages across who's college basketball. It? Well, now who's talking about it? Well, John Shire, Duke's head coach, is still going off on it. He was on oh, the. Oh, would he shut up? He was on the ACC conference call yesterday, and um, and said, "Absolutely, we should not wait until next year. Something needs to be done now. At the end of the day, players, coaches, and officials are the only people that belong on a court." And of course, it was his uh, player, Kyle Filipkowski, who was yeah. uh, injured uh, in the court storming against uh, Wake Forest on Saturday. Bill Self. At Kansas, uh, told ESPN, we need to get rid of it totally. I don't see the positive impact from a visual standpoint. Our game has excitement, and people are excited about college basketball so much. Court storming isn't as big of a positive as a potential negative that exists with somebody getting hurt or lawsuits. Can you imagine a kid storms the court, runs into somebody, he gets sued, and his life is changed forever? It works both ways. Or somebody runs into one of our players, our player lifts their arms to protect themselves, catches someone right in the Adam's apple, or hits them in the temple. They get a concussion. That's a lawsuit against them. Um, and then I also saw that uh, Penny Hardaway at Memphis, uh, he said, I understand that's been a part of college basketball forever, but it's starting to get a little too violent because there are so many people getting caught in the middle. Usually the students will come out and go around the players, let the players come off the court and let security grab them. Now it's like they're trying to let the players see them or say something to them. You want the safety of the fans along with the players. I think you should let the team exit. If you feel like you're going to storm the court and you're going to allow it, you don't do a handshake line. Who is that? That was Penny Hardaway. Oh, okay. You know what's interesting is the first two that you read, Shire, uh, now obviously his team was involved in Mm -hmm. the one that is brought about the controversy in Bill Self. Something that they have in common is that they are the coaches of blue blood programs who sure. a win over Kansas, a win over Duke is a, in the words of the famed commercial that entered on our station for a long time, it's a celebration. And that's what happens when you beat those teams is it's a celebration. Uh, I would be very curious. You know, we got the email a few minutes ago, John, from uh, Seamus at Nebraska. If Fred Hoiberg was asked about this and what he would say. Because he is not playing or coaching, rather, a blue blood. And his team has been involved from a positive perspective of two wins over, not blue bloods, but over really good teams that has resulted in court stormings. I'd be curious as to what he would think about it. And I'd be curious in general to what coaches of programs not named the usual suspects, Kentucky, UCLA, uh, Duke, Carolina, like those schools, A, are on the wrong end of the of the court stormings, right? Because when they lose, it's a big deal if it's on the road. But B, their fans also don't really storm the court. I don't remember the last time North Carolina fans rushed the floor. Certainly, I can't remember it ever happening with Duke. You know, those programs, Kansas, they've been involved in so many big games that it's kind of, really, John, it's kind of like Nebraska football. Nebraska football fans haven't rushed the field. Now, they've also been bad, but they haven't rushed the field since the early 90s. And so I'd be curious if, if this is a issue that just blue blood type coaches think about or is it one that everyone thinks about and maybe coaches of lesser programs don't want to talk about it very much but that shouldn't diminish anyone's opinion no i'm just i'm just pointing out the the not, i just think it's interesting that they're the ones who are kind of on the forefront of talking well, sure. about it and and well and well let's face it they're also especially with uh now shire you know he's at duke and he's a second year coach uh yeah. but bill self is you know, arguably the best coach in the game right now, or at least one of the top two or three. 
Uh, yes. So you're always going to go and get his opinion. You're right. I mean, there are programs that are you know, more than likely to have the court stormed on them than vice versa. But, you know, the, the, and, and, and listen, I, I believe first and foremost that the player and the officials and the coaches and the people who are supposed to be on the floor and quite frankly, the people at court side who have a job to do, um, that, that has to be protected first and foremost, because, you know, they're there to do a job. They're the reason why, especially the players, why the game is being played and why the people are there in the first place. So the first priority, beyond and above anything else, should be the protection of those players. You can still have a basketball game. You can still have a football game. You can still have whatever sport, not that it really happens in baseball. Um, but you can still do all of that without court stormings or without tearing down goalposts. You can still do that. Um, you can't have sports without the players. So to me, whatever whatever policy you come up with, and I'm not, you know, I know I've I, I've been more aggressive on this than others. I'm not anti court storming necessarily, but the first priority has to be the safety of the people because I just fear that it. Yes, the Saturday incident was one where you know you you have an injury take place which is a bad situation but a worse situation is especially in those moments where and and it's more pronounced in, in probably in college basketball because you're so close to the fans when you're a college football player yes it's a violent sport yes people's passions are high but unless you're playing in a place like Boulder where the fans are literally sitting right behind the bench you don't hear a lot of the individual cat calls. You don't hear some of the things that, you know, you do in a college basketball game because you're so close to the fans. And usually the student section is perched right next to the opposing team's bench for intimidation purposes. And the potential for emotions to overflow and get out of control are there. And the thing I worry about is, you know, some kid has been playing his guts out and he's been hearing the hoots and the hollers and the cat calls and the name calling and all and the profanity and whatever else coming from the student section the whole game. His team gets beat. He's coming off the floor. And in a moment of just being pissed off and somebody being in the wrong spot at the wrong time just goes off and basically does what Kellen Houston did down at Missouri. If you don't remember, 20 years ago, Kellen Houston, a Nebraska football player, was on the was coming off the field and he just flat cold cocked a Missouri fan who had, mm-hmm. who had come onto the field because Missouri had beaten Nebraska for the first time in many years. Just waylaid him. And it was caught on video by a local TV station. And, you know, it became a big old stink. And in my view, it's kind of like it's, 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 you know, not to not to necessarily equate it to Harambe, but you're not supposed to be. You're not supposed to be in the... In the animal cage. That was the so best wait, comparison. So, so wait, who who is Harambe in this scenario, and who is the baby? Well, is Kellen Houston Harambe? Yeah, but he didn't get shot, thankfully. That's, oh my gosh! But Jeez, but John. but you're not. But that that's the thing I worry about is you have you have people at a very high emotional state, and someone's going to get hauled off and hit. 
And, of course, what are they going to do? They're going to blame the player. And you could say, sure, should have been in better control of their emotions. But why is that player being put in that situation by people who technically are not supposed to be on the floor? That's so, so to me, whatever policy we decide to come up with, the first and most important thing is to protect the people who are supposed to be on the floor. And if you can do it in some way where that's taken care of, then I'm fine with it. Yeah. A couple emails uh, before we talk to Brunts. John writes, I call BS on Filipowski getting hurt from the court storming. He gets way more contact than that during a game. It's just another case of Duke player crying about getting beat. All right. Well, John, your thoughts. That's no. I mean, he got he did get hit in the side of the knee. I mean, it, but it, his it, ankle was the thing that got hurt. Well, either way, see. either way, I mean, it, it's easy to see from the angle that we that we showed yesterday how he could have been hurt. So I'm not and and whether we can we let's just throw out the fact hurt or not hurt. The bottom line is somebody has gotten hurt in these in the past and could get hurt in the future, and those are the things we're trying to avoid. And then a text real quick. Court storming is disgusting and needs to be stopped. We also need to end the accepted vandalism of cutting down nets. For too long, we've accepted juveniles participating in property crime. John, your thoughts on that? Okay, well, that's a little different. As a crime town resident, Mm. you're sounding a little hypocritical, John. How am I sounding Mm. hypocritical? Thank you, Nick. Well, you live in crime town. Well, I live there. I don't participate in it. Mm. (laughs) All right, coming up next, Michael Brunson is going to join us. And uh, we'll talk a little Nebraska sports next on 1620 The Zone. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.